1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. This is Paul the Apostle Paul talking, and he says this. He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Many of the other translations say you are the proof of my ministry. You are the proof of my ministry. In 2 Timothy chapter four and verse five, he's writing to Timothy and he says, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Make full proof of thy ministry. Paul said, you are the proof that what I'm doing matters. You are the evidence that what I am giving my life to is making a difference. Your changed lives are the proof that my ministry is authentic. I love this because it teaches us a few things. One of them is this. It teaches me that I don't have to spend one minute defending myself to people who don't see me correctly. Oh, man. That will completely change your life. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to spend one moment of my time defending myself to people who don't see me correctly. He said, I'm not an apostle to everybody. I don't have to prove myself to everybody. I don't have to show myself to the world. I don't have to prove myself to the world. But I am your apostle, and the proof is that your lives have been changed by my ministry. In other words, when you become secure in who you are in God, you let the proof speak for you. You let the fruit of your life speak for you. You don't have to run around chasing that Chasing down everybody who talks bad about you, you just go ahead and you let the proof of what you're doing speak for you. I want to say to the ministers who are a part of this church, let the fruit speak for you. Nate, let the fruit of the young people speak for you. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to explain to everybody why you do what you do. You just let the fruit of the lives that have been changed by the ministry speak for you. Amen. Amen. That's good news for us. That's good news for us. So he says, he says, your desire should be that you have something to prove that what you are doing is authentic. Have you, have you ever asked your kids, or, or put it this way, have you ever found out your kid did something and then you went to your kid and you asked and you said, hey, did you do it? And you could tell they were lying by how they responded. You're like, hey, um, did you? And they're like, uh, what? Huh? You talking to me? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm talking to you. You don't believe me? You think I'm a liar? Uh, well, the way you're acting kind of makes it look like you could possibly be lying. Defensive people are people who have no proof. <laughs> the proof is that lives are being changed. And this is important because all of us, we all just raised our hands. 
all of us just said, we want our lives to make a difference. We want our lives to matter. We want to have an impact. But I want to give you some principles of impact. First of all, more does not equal impact. Busy does not equal impact. Fruit does. But not all fruit. Every decision we make is a seed we sow. The Bible teaches us that whatever you sow, that is what you will reap. So in other words, your life is the result, not of the seeds people have sown into you, but the seeds that you have sown into the world. When you grow up, you start to realize, I am where I am at because I did this to me. And I know this to be true because there is someone who is walking on the same water that you are sinking in. There is someone in the earth that's going through exactly what you are going through, but they decided to not blame other people, to take responsibility for that themselves. And if they wanted their life to change, they had to change the seeds they were sowing. If you want the results to change, if you want different fruit, you have to put a different type of seed into the ground. And nobody else can do this for you. You have to do this for your Self. So the question you should be asking is where am I fruitful and what kind of fruit am I producing? Because my decisions are seeds and they are producing fruit. Most people are frustrated because they don't like the fruit of their life. They look at their life and they hate where they are. They feel like I should be further along, I should be doing this, I should be here, I should be there. And so we look around and we look at the fruit of our life and we don't like it. And to take some of the pressure off of us, we like to start blaming other people. Well, my mama told me and my daddy told me, and I'm telling you for every mama and daddy story, I can find you a worse mama or daddy story of somebody that's walking on the same water that you're sinking in. The Bible teaches that when I was a child, I talked like a child, I acted like a child, I spoke like a child, I did all the stuff children do. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. One of the main things we have to put away when we mature is, Johnny made me do it. If they wouldn't have, I wouldn't have. Oh my goodness. I should have preached that other message I had planned this morning. It would have <laughs> went a lot better, probably. So you change the fruit by changing the seed you sow. Impact. Making a difference. All of us have the same amount of time in every single day. Nobody wakes up and gets an hour more than you do. Yet, 
you walk around, you meet people, you talk to people, you interact with people, and you find out that there are people who just manage their time better. It's not that they have more time, they just manage it better. They've discovered that I have a certain amount of energy, and if I put that energy into the wrong places and then the wrong things, I won't have energy for the right things. So impact is about energy, because the greater the energy, the greater the force, the greater the impact. That's why we watch these movies about the end of the world, and we're just, we're just blown away that, that a rock the size of Texas could hit the earth and destroy the entire world. Why can it do that? Because of the energy, the speed, and the pace at which it is hitting the earth. So the impact is determined by the amount of energy I have when I do what I do. And so many people are giving themselves to so many things that are not the thing, because listen to me, every good thing is not a God thing for you. And right now we are, we are zapped and depleted of our energy because we have been giving our energy to stuff that we aren't really supposed to care about that much. Oh, man. Should, should I care about an election, but not to the point that I can't sleep for days? Should I care about what's going on in our culture and in our society, but not to the point where it keeps me up and robs me of my peace and my calm and takes relationships and people out of my life? give our energy to stuff that we were never designed and created to give our energy to. The Bible teaches me that the weight of the government will be upon his shoulders. So at the end of the day, I can sleep no matter what's going on because all of that's on him anyway. So where is your energy? You have it. You just spent it ignorantly oh man this is going really well why are you saying these things <laughs> stop and why does this happen to us because we're really really good at measuring what's coming in but we fail to measure what's going out if we treated our bank account like we do our energy we would have no money because if all you did was measure what was coming into your bank you would have no idea what was going out of your bank, and so no wonder you're overdrawn. You've only paid attention to what was coming in and didn't pay attention to what was going out. Every yes is energy spent. That's why you gotta get really good in 2021 at using the word no. Now listen, we've all been guilty of this because all of us have this unique ability to take on more than we have the capacity to carry. <laughs> we all do this. Our eyes are bigger than our stomachs. Last night, I just wanted some cake. <laughs> you ever just been like, just want cake. And the worst thing that has happened to me is DoorDash. That's the worst <laughs> thing that happened to me. 
because I signed up for that. I got door dash, I got the door pass, right? So I don't even get charged delivery fees anymore. <laughs> Used to, those delivery fees would keep me from ordering cake at 9 p.m. <laughs> but Cracker Barrel was open, and they have chocolate cake with ice cream. And you don't even have to get out of your jogging pants or your underwear. You can just sit in your bed and they'll bring it to your door. <laughs> and then I, then I just saw the cake and I thought, I can't waste it. I know there's not room in here. So I'm sitting in my bed and it's like one in the morning. My stomach is turning and I'm like, having the hardest time sleeping and I'm thinking about this message and God is like, that's what, that's what people do all the time. Their eyes are bigger than their stomach. Their desire is bigger than their capacity. And their want traps them in a prison of continual want. Because when you don't keep tabs on your energy, you end up exhausted and you don't even really know why. You end up tired and you don't even really know how. You end up lost and you don't even know how you got there. Have you ever found yourself in a place in life where you're like, how did I even? How did I even get here? And, and the tendency is, like I already said, we, we want to blame. But listen, you don't, you don't get to complain about the car going too fast when your foot is on the accelerator. We live in a culture that, that wants to sue McDonald's because they gain too much weight. Like, <laughs> you, 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 you did this to me. They did this to me. It's your fault. No, you did this to you. You're too busy because you did this to you. You're exhausted because you did this to you. But the good news today is you get a chance to make better decisions for your life and you can start right now start right now by setting a standard of impact if you don't set standards of impact you will use your your energy ignorantly it's like a thermostat in the house you set the thermostat to the temperature you desire and that thermostat tells your air conditioning unit to stop running for so many of you, you have not set the temperature or you have set the temperature too high. And no wonder you keep going and going and going. And some of you have arrived and you don't even really know it. You're there and you don't even really realize it. You've met the place and the standard of what God had for your life. You're there and you don't even know it. I'll never forget, I was talking to a man years ago and he's sitting in front of me and this man is married, he's got a wife that loves him, he's got kids that love him, he's living in a neighborhood he never thought he would live in, and he's sitting in front of me, telling me, he's like, I wish I would have, I wish I would have done more, I, I, I wish I had more, I thought at this point in my life I would be so much further along than I am right now, and he's so frustrated with where he is, not realizing that he's already made it. Looking and longing for something desiring something, and you've already got it. 
You've got everything you wanted. I looked up as I was studying this morning and I was typing on my computer and I was thinking about this message. I looked over and Monica's over there and she's, she's Oliver's sitting on the couch and she's got her hand on his chest and she's just patting his chest and they're talking and I'm looking and I'm like, I have everything I have ever wanted in life. I have it all. There are people, listen to me, my normal is somebody else's miracle. And I want to tell you today, you're wasting your energy reaching for stuff. When most of you probably have everything you've ever really wanted. But now that you're there, there doesn't feel like there because you never set the temperature. And if you don't set the temperature, you'll get there and you won't even feel like you're there. Just ask anybody who's achieved any sort of success. Anybody who's been to the mountaintop. Anybody who's been to the places where they dreamed of being and then they get there and realize there doesn't feel like there. Because I already had there. I'll never forget, I used to want to be invited to this conference to speak and so bad. And I thought, man, if, I, if, I, if they invite me to this conference, then, then, then man, or, or this church, then, then man, I, I, have, I have made it. Because everybody that I respect will have seen that I was there. And I get there. And I get done. And I'm in the back weeping, realizing that that's not what I, ever, that's not what I even wanted. I'm not even, I'm not a one bit happier than I was the moment before it happened than I was the moment after it happened. I was still looking, I was still longing, and I was still searching. And then every time I would get on a plane and I would go out and I'd be looking and longing and searching, but every time I would get on a plane and go home, I would have what I always wanted, but I would get on a plane again trying to find what I thought I wanted. And what I always wanted was right in front of me. What I always wanted was the people I already know. What I always wanted was the place I'm already living. And I'm wasting energy and I'm wasting time trying to get something that I thought I wanted that I didn't really even want. And I've already got what I wanted. So we keep going and going, pushing and pushing, thinking one day I'll get there, one day I'll make it, one day I'll have everything I want, one day I'll be satisfied, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day. And if you keep looking for the one day, you'll never have that day until you become content where you are, you will never be happy anywhere. Tiredness, exhaustion, fatigue. These are not good measurements. Some people, they get tired and I need a nap. I'm exhausted, I need a break. Tired, exhausted, fatigued. Those are the places and spaces in life where we make the worst decisions of our lives. We can't wait until we are on empty to be filled again. We can't wait until we're completely exhausted to rest. We can't wait until we're just ready to give up, to turn back to Jesus. We can't keep doing that to ourselves. We weren't made to live at the level of exhaustion. We were made to live at the level of full. In my presence, God says, there is 
fullness of joy. A joy that is constantly full. We get out of gas. And I remember we were just in Vegas. I was just in Vegas a couple weeks ago and we were gonna go out to the Grand Canyon and we were gonna drive to Arizona. And as we're driving into to Arizona, we start to realize we're in the desert and I'm looking at the gas tank and I'm like, wow, it's pretty, pretty empty. And I remember in my head, oh, there was a gas station that said the last stop. That's what that meant. <laughs> That's what they were talking about. Oh, there's no more gas stations from here. Oh, I get it. And now I'm out in the middle of the desert hoping that I can make it. And that's where most people are. A message like this is a sign that says this is the last stop. This might be your last chance before your whole marriage falls apart. This might be the last chance before you hurt yourself. This might be the last stop. No man is guaranteed tomorrow. Sign up today. This could be the last stop. Don't miss. Don't miss this. Don't miss this opportunity to fill your life up. Don't miss this opportunity to make a decision to give your energy to the right things. Don't miss it. We miss it. (laughs) And we're still out there and What's crazy is I get out there and I'm driving and I'm like, guys, I don't, I don't know. And you get out there and then there's like, all of a sudden you start to see as we're driving along, there's, oh, there's actually other gas stations. But the gas was four times. Cause they've got you. They know you're gonna die out here. It's the desert. I can charge you whatever I want to charge you. When you wait until you're exhausted, when you wait until you're empty, you pay more. Cost you more. So you have to, watch this, you have to make a decision that I'm only going to give my energy to my spaces of impact. How do I do that? First of all, I have to plan for the harvest before I plant the seed. In Luke 14 and 28, it says, no man goes to build a tower and doesn't sit down and count the cost before he builds the tower because if he gets to the end of the project and he doesn't have enough money to finish it, everybody will mock him. But we do life differently. We plant seed for a harvest we can't maintain. Because you have to maintain everything you start. But the way the Bible teaches us to think is think about the harvest before you plant the seed. Think about the cost before you get started. Think it through. My dad used to say this to me all the time. Think past lunch. (laughs) Think it through. What if this idea works, then what? Most businesses don't fail because the product is bad. Most businesses fail because they cannot keep up with the demand. You ever watch the show Shark Tank? And they go in there and they're like, hey man, I need $500,000 for a 5% stake in my 
business. Why do you need the money? Well, we need the money because our idea is taken off and we cannot keep up with the demand. And so many of us have planted seed and we can't keep up with the demand. You started a business and it worked. Oh man, now you can't keep up with the demand. You took that job and it clicked and now you can't keep up with the demand. You have to consider the harvest before you plant the seed. You start with the harvest, then you get the seed. Second thought, talk to the people in your life, the people you care about, and ask them what they care about. Why? Because you could be giving them your best, but it doesn't meet their needs. Listen to me. This is so important for us. There are things throughout. Monica and I will be married 23 years this year. 24 years in November. We're married 23 years right now. Next year's gonna be 25. Ooh, what are we gonna do? (laughs) COVID should be chilling out at least by then, right? Okay, all right, we'll see. We'll talk about that. I don't wanna get on Fred's level this morning and get weird. (laughs) Weird. <laughs> but I, there was all this stuff I was doing trying to impress her and things that I thought I was doing that made her happy that didn't make her happy. I've done this multiple times over the years. I would get her stuff like, like, like three years ago. Okay, I'm just gonna tell this story because I'm still offended, but I'm just gonna work it out right here. I, Three years ago, I thought, I thought she's gonna be impressed. I take her to Atlanta. We go stay at this incredible place and I bought her a Gucci necklace. Gucci! <laughs> and I give her this necklace and she's like, oh, that's so sweet. Do you know how many times she's worn her Gucci necklace? Zero. I wasted money. I wasted energy, I wasted time on something that didn't make a difference in her life. We, there have been times in our marriage where it's like, I, I took her, I, I've taken her all over the world. I've taken her to places that I never thought or dreamed we would, we would be able to go. And then, and then we get home and, 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 and she'll be frustrated and I'll be like, what do you want? What do you want? And she goes, she goes, I just want you to look at me. I'm like, I spent thousands of dollars. I worked my off just to get over here. And all you wanted was for me to look at you? Yeah, that's all I wanted. You could be wasting so much So much of your energy doing stuff for people that you care about that doesn't really add value to their lives. You're tired and exhausted, and we use words like this in marriage. What else can I do? I'm doing my best. You ever said that? I'm like acting out our marriage like right here in front of everybody. I'm doing my best, Monica. (laughs) Might as well have you on the stage so you can just look at me with that. Like, what is wrong with you? You're so emotional. God. Why did I have to marry a guy with the emotional capacity of a 12-year-old girl? Like, why? This is facts, actually. So it's like, 
So I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm giving, I'm doing my best, but sometimes my best is not what they need. With your, with your kids. It's not, dads, listen to me, moms, listen to me. It's not that you're not trying your best because I, I believe most people go into marriage trying their best. It's not that you're not trying your best, it's that you just, you spend so much time doing stuff that doesn't meet their actual needs. Dads, you're, you're working, yeah, 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah, you're hard working. We give you credit for that and we applaud that. Thank you. But what if they just want you to be at a ball game more than they want the new sneakers or You know what I mean? Like, so you need to sit down and you need to have a conversation with the people you care about and you need to ask them, what do you care about? What do I do that brings value to your life? Because in marriage, if you keep giving and giving and giving and giving and you don't have someone that communicates what you do that brings value to them, then you'll start to feel like you don't matter to them. It's like a preacher who's constantly like, someone say amen. Somebody, somebody, please, for the love of God, say hallelujah. You know what I mean? It's like, somebody tell me I'm doing good, right? <laughs> it's like, communicate to me that what I'm saying to you is making a difference in your life. People tell me this all the time. Robbie, I know you hear this all the time. I know you get this all the time, but that was great. And I'm like, no, I don't, actually. I don't. Because all the people who feel that way think I hear that all the time and never say it to me. So actually, it would be kind of nice if somebody would actually. You know what I mean? You have to communicate to people, like, this is what you do that brings value to my life. Or else we'll be spinning our wheels thinking, I'm up here, yeah. I'm making a difference. I'm not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A lot of people run around like, like ladies run around like, I don't need a man. Yeah, you're just going to continually be lonely. Yeah, exactly. You don't need a man, you won't have a man. <laughs> Your wife is like, but baby, I cooked and I cleaned. And you're like, but you weren't being measured by that. Now, that's wild. It's so flipping practical. It's just like, maybe I should talk to them and see, like, is this even what you want? I'll never forget, my dad told me, he said, they were for years, they're just doing ministry and doing life. And he said, it got to a point, he was like, I actually just sat down with your mom. And for the first time in my marriage, I, I looked at her and I said, what do you want? Changed everything. Because sometimes in a marriage, especially for the, for the wife, it just becomes about what does he want? What are his desires? What does he get? So at some point, sometimes, somewhere, somehow, you got to look at her and say, hey, uh, what do you actually want? out of this you've been following me you've been helping me you've been watching kids you've been taking care you've been but what do you want what can I help you build that conversation could change your marriage that conversation could take a marriage that you think is over 
and completely shift it. Because here's what happens in marriage. We fall in love with them because in relationships, we fall in love because they're different. We do. And you know, my, 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 my kids come to me, it's like, dad, they're just so different from everybody else. They're like a one in a billion, dad. They're so unique. And then what happens, you get married and you spend the next 20 years trying to make them just like you. Thriving marriages are marriages that benefit from the uniqueness of each person. Your uniqueness is why we work. It's like before marriage, my mom always said, you know, before marriage, opposites attract, and then after marriage, opposites attack. I always thought that was fine. So you have to point out the things you get from me if I wasn't there, because if, if you don't need me, then why am I... Why am I doing this? Why am I spending this energy? And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, he says, he says, I became Jew to the Jew, weak to the weak, to increase my impact, he says. I became versatile in my language and my actions. He's talking about how he needed the right language for the right opportunity to the people who were under the law. I became one under the, like, to, to reach them, I became like I changed to have an impact. He said, I won't save everybody, but I will save some. And I won't, listen, I won't win them by making them like me. I will win them by meeting them where they are. I stopped spending the energy of my life trying to make people like me. Do you know how much do you, do you know how much life would return to your body if you would stop trying to make people like you? That's what we do on, that's what we've done through this whole election season. Through all the stuff that we've been through over, you better think like me. You better act like me or talk like me. If you don't think like me, act like me and talk like me, I will cut you off, I will cancel you, I will end you. Why, because I don't do it just like you? Yeah! What makes you think you're totally right? You God? Oh, man. Bob Goff said this. He said, I used to want to fix everybody. Now I just want to be with them. One of the things that frustrates me the most about people that come into your life when you're going through something difficult is the people that come in and they try to fix you. You're crying and they, tell, they try to tell you why you shouldn't cry. You're in pain and they tell you why you shouldn't be in pain. Well, honey, I'm sorry you lost the person you love the most in your life, but God, you know, has a plan. What was his plan exactly? Explain that to me. What was his plan exactly? And take in my... No, you know what I need? Just somebody who will just sit with me. That's why the Bible says, when people in the community mourn, you mourn with them. Don't fix them, mourn with them. When they rejoice, what do you do? You rejoice with them. To the weak, I became weak. Another thought. I can't meet every single need. We stand on your feet, I'm going to be done in three minutes. I can't meet every need. Matthew 26 and 11, 
this woman comes into a room where Jesus is and she starts to bust open a bottle of perfume and she's pouring it all over Jesus. And, and these people are all upset over it. They're mad because they're like, Jesus, she could, have, she could have sold that and she could have given all of that money to the poor. And Jesus turns and he looks and he says, you will always have the poor with you. But I won't always be here. Wow, Jesus, that's controversial. And then in Acts chapter six, verse two, the disciples are getting word that the widows are not being taken care of. So they get word and people are like, well, the people are frustrated that the widows aren't being taken care of. But they say, it would be wrong for us to leave the study of God's word and prayer to wait tables. Man, people would be offended at me if I said that. Like, I don't have time to go to the homeless shelter. I'm too busy praying and studying. That's what he's saying. But it's not offensive because he understands where his energy is best served. He understands where he has his most impact. Listen to me. Widows, orphans, diseases, all of this stuff will always be with us. We cannot, you cannot, I cannot save Everyone, but I can save some. I need you to understand this. You weren't created to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Your eyes are a gate. Your ears are a gate. And you have to guard that gate. Because if not, you will be overwhelmed by what your eyes see and what your ears hear. I remember a day when I used to be able to wake up in the morning, say goodbye to my mom, not see her until six o'clock that evening and the world kept turning. Do you remember this day? When you didn't have a cell phone and you, like that, the world kept turning, life kept going on. You weren't being controlled by this thing buzzing on your butt all day long and telling you what to do, how to think, when to think, when to care, what to look at. You just, you just left your house and you were like, everything's gonna be okay. Maybe every now and then you made it to a payphone or you called from work, but stuff worked out, didn't it? In the world we live in, we become overwhelmed because we get too much information and we can't handle all that information. Your heart, your capacity is not that big. Can't save everybody. So don't die there. Luke 4 and 29, the Bible says they got up drove Jesus out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill, which the town was built, and they were gonna throw him off of a cliff. And the Bible says that in that moment, Jesus slipped through the, cloud, the crowd. But I thought, I, thought, Jesus, I thought your purpose was to die for, not there. Not on that hill, not at that cliff. And so many of you in this room today you are, laying, you are putting down a sacrifice that does not meet the level of impact. Don't make a great sacrifice in the wrong location. Don't give the right thing to the wrong person. Some of y'all need to hear that today because you are, you are trying to fix everybody and you can't fix everybody. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us. Help us. Impact is your desire for us, but don't let us get it twisted. Don't let us get dysfunctional. 
Don't let us do that. Help us. Help us to be refreshed in your presence. Help us to see that more is not always better. Busy is not always beneficial. Help us to sow the right seed so we get the right result. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. 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 I'm going to have to let you go so we can get the other service in here. But thank you for being here today. If you need prayer, you can hang around. Um, but we love you. Thank you for being here. God bless you. We'll see you soon.